Your friend wants to learn about your favorite band. They've never listened to them before. You want to show what the band is all about, so you build a playlist. But there's a catch. You only get to play five, five essential, essential tracks. tracks. I'm Ben. I'm Jacob. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And these are the five essential tracks for the Beatles. Welcome back to Five Essential Tracks. This is part two of the Beatles. I'm Josh, and I'm here with my usual Seth's co-host, Mr. Jacob. Hello, indeed. And our frequent guest host on somebody else's favorite songs, Joel. Hello. And of course, Canadian Ben. Oh, hey there. (laughs) So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that first. We spent about 45 minutes talking about the Beatles and were able during that time to come up with two that we greenlit. Uh, Those two tracks were She Loves You and Here Comes the Sun. And I think we all feel really good about, about those two. Well, I don't know about feeling really good. I kind of feel bad about the fact that we intended to make each episode be standalone about one artist. And we thought, oh, this is going to be great. We can easily do five greenlit tracks in an hour. But it turns out it was a tall order for all our favorite band. All it, of us, our was, favorite band. I, I'm, not, I'm not all that surprised. Um, it's, the Beatles are one of those where, where we could easily do 10 and still be annoyed that, we, that something got left off. So that... That doesn't surprise me all that much. And if you will recall part one, uh, Jacob was very liberal with the yellow lights, just really not wanting to, to get through it too quickly. So we'll have to blame him if, if he wants oh, to I blame see somebody. How this is, I see how it is. <laughs> well, you were the one complaining about it. So <laughs> no, anyway, uh, I think, I anyway, think next it's well topic. worth the time. I think it's well worth the time. So uh, let's, uh, let's also refresh the other options that were put forward, we we did put forward Strawberry Fields Forever, and everybody green lit that except Joel, and we put forth Hey Jude and A Day in the Life, um, and those both had, I believe, one yellow light, and then we had A Hard Day's Night that um, I think was two and two, so... That's where we sort of left off, and we're going to jump right back in. Uh, Joel, do you have any comments to start? I do have a comment to start. Oh, well, let's hear it. Our list is about to grow from two to three, because in the interim, I went back and listened to Strawberry Fields Forever, which I have not listened to in quite some time, and have decided that I was uh, just wrong. I was completely wrong, (laughs) totally wrong in every way that needs to be on the list for sure. I am rescinding my yellow and implementing a big old green light for strawberry fields forever, which grows our list from two to three. Yeah. Very good. good. Just like that. We are. Let us make it green because you're going to. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're well on pace here. This could be a short one. (laughs) Very good. So we've got three of the five. We are 60% through with our work here 
on the Beatles. She loves and you, Strawberry what? Fields Forever, and Here Comes the Sun. It's my turn to put a song forth. All right. For I was left off at the end last time. Fair enough. What and, have you? And there are no I objections. Have, oh, man, I, I have a, several that I still had on here, but uh, I'm going to go with a one that definitely needs to be mentioned, if not put on the list in some way, shape, or form. That's the most covered song in the history of music. And that is Scrambled Eggs, Oh How I Love Your Legs, Yesterday. Tofu Wings. I don't remember the next line, but he sings that as well. <laughs> yes, of course, talking about yesterday. Which, yes, which uh, started out as Scrambled Eggs, Oh How I Love Your Legs, where the original lyrics as a working uh, working set of of lyrics to that song. Can I just say, unpopular opinion, Yesterday is a fine melody and a fine recording, but I think it is terribly overrated. Oh, are you about to give it the every breath you take treatment? I don't know that it's necessary for me to red light it, but I can tell you right now, given my desire to showcase the Beatles, a solo Paul song is, is I'm never going to green light it, so I may as well red light it. You know what I'm saying? All right. Red so, light it so is that what you're going to do? I, I feel bad red lighting the most covered song of all time. I just don't think it fits the bill for what we're trying to do here. So Beautiful. let me ask I, I you mean, again. Will you come on the record and give it the red light? I want to hear what Ben's about to say. I, I think John would agree with you. <laughs> 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 Wasn't it yesterday that he uh, he mentioned in How Do You Sleep, his post-Beals Paul slur? Indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I recall. Well, he, he did say, yeah, in, in How Do You Sleep, he says the only thing you done was yesterday. So he, yeah. he does credit him, but then he says, but now you're just another day, yeah. which is actually a brilliant line. It's and brilliant. And by the way, it, it cuts an, both ways. It does. But by the way, another day is maybe the most underrated. So it's a great song. song because it is a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. But that's a different podcast. One well, that it I'm is sure a different podcast. Do that song has been discussed before. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, yesterday's off the table. That was real quick. The reason I put it forth was purely, um, I would agree with you, by the way, that it is probably pretty overrated. It's a very simple song. It is pretty much a Paul solo song. Is it officially a solo Paul song? Did nobody else contribute to yesterday? No, it's, it's, it's I'm Paul and certain. acoustic it's guitar and the, strings. and the strings. Okay. Yeah. So that not really the best for the Beatles, but I did put it forth just because to. of its, its pop culture relevance. I mean, it's the most recorded cover, you know, the most recorded cover song of all time. So it's worthy of a mention and wor- worthy to go on the the companion playlist. So that's absolutely. why I put it forth. No question about yes, that. Yes, absolutely. So well, soft, soft red light. <laughs> a red There's light, no red light. There's we'll, no we'll such thing. We'll call it a yield sign. <laughs> no, oh no. No, no. You have red lit it. Well, all right, move on. We're back, to, back around to the front again. I don't remember what order we were going in last time. So uh, let's kick it to Ben. I think it was Ben. 
Well, I'll put forward a, another McCartney effort. I I expect it to get the the same response, but I think it's like yesterday needs to be mentioned and at least discussed. Uh, and it's not quite the sole effort that yesterday was, but uh, I'm talking about Let It Be. Uh, it's sort of a bookend song for uh, for their hits. Was it um was it a number one? I'm virtually certain it was. I don't have it in front of me. I think that it was. Yes, I'll double check that while we talk. Just yeah, and maybe I think it was their last number one, if I recall. And Um, that may have been the long and winding road, actually. Oh, you are correct. Yes, yes, you are correct. Um, Yeah. So this this song, it's not you know unlike yesterday, it does feature feature all four of the Beatles, and it's uh, somewhat famous more for the uh, the Phil Spector. Uh, treatment, um, how he remake, remakes the song for the album, but um, it's it's again a song that's um, I think ubiquitous with uh, Paul's uh, melodic songwriting. It's uh, um, a song that is known by casual Beatle fans and those that aren't even Beatle fans. It's everywhere. It's 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 everywhere. Um, so, yeah, let's put it up for a vote or discussion. Uh, I will say I, I did double check. It was a number one hit. Um, my opinion on Let It Be is I think that one of either Let It Be or Hey Jude needs to be on the list. But I think that it needs to be one of those two. Not yeah, that's both. a good point. That's piano good. ballad. So one, yeah. one piano. OK, one piano song. And that, I'm going to that's valid. I'm going to vote for Hey go back for hey jude because of the television performance because of it you know inspiring the get back sessions let it nine be. weeks number one yeah yeah so that's going to be my opinion on that um i'll let you guys share thoughts as well yeah let it let it be is actually in some ways kind of underrated it, it's it's a masterwork by anybody else if it wasn't paul and the beatles when it just becomes one of you know 20 possible songs for consideration. I'm curious um, as a, as a side on, on this song though, do you, do you boys prefer the louder, more rock guitar solo on the album or the more muted um, solo on the single? The album cut is the guitar solo period. Mm -hmm. The end. I don't want to hear any, anything else about it you know I, i'm not sure that you could play each solo and i would be able to differentiate which is which i guess i could since how you just described it but if i think back on the solo in my head i'm pretty sure that i'm probably conflating uh you know conflating them together just thinking back on it they're vastly I, different dude if you're hearing an awesome rocking great sounding <laughs> guitar solo what you're thinking of is the album cut and that is the version that you should know no well i can <laughs> i can think about i could think about and roughly play the first sort of the first um phrase of each solo and could probably think about the album cut and the single cut but then once you get into the rest of it it kind of gets muddled in my head I'm sure that I'd prefer the more rocking album version. I, I certainly do. I mean, I think it's. I think you need the need the rock solo there, even though it does. It would fit nicely on a Wings album. <laughs> 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 uh, 
yeah, I I think I'm going to go with the with the album version too, um, because I think it 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 gives some some catharsis to the uh, seriousness of the subject matter. Of course, um, Mother Mary is Paul's mother, literally his mother. Yes, uh, so it's literal Mother Mary, but of course that works on multiple levels, and um, it's uh, came to him in a dream, that sort of thing. Literally, his mother came to him in a dream. He, uh, she died when he was thirteen. Something that um, he and John bonded over was both their mothers died when they were in their teens, mm-hmm. um, and and this is something that that he did with it. Vastly different from uh, a song that John Lennon uh, would do shortly thereafter about his mother called Mother. Um, very different takes. But it it needs to be mentioned. I would also probably yellow light it, and I would concur with with Joel that probably don't want to pick both Hey Jude and Let It Be, but I, I would probably lean toward Hey Jude as well. I certainly think if we're if we're going to couch them as one or the other because we want to have a piano ballad on the list, I would certainly lean towards Hey Jude in the context of this list. Personally, I, I really agree with that assessment. And if we're looking for the five essential tracks, I think we have to have one of those, one of those two. We, we have to have a piano, a piano ballad. I yeah. agree. So, yeah. um, so well, maybe we, we revisit Hey Jude at this point and yeah. are we, are we considering Jacob? Take, are we with, taking uh, it to a vote? Can, can we re-vote on Hey Jude? I think Anytime. you're the only person that, well, yeah, we have to. I think we have to also with the the idea in mind that we want a piano ballad. We want either Hey Jude or Let It Be. What say ye? Let it be Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so is it it's as it was last time I was the only person to yellow light Hey Jude? I believe so. All green Hey Jude again. Green for me. And Joel, obviously, you'll green light it, and uh, right. and so will I. We got four songs. Oh, okay. oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but see, it gets tough now because here's what we have here. That's we have fine. She loves you. She loves you is a a very good selection from their early period. We have here comes the sun, which is a George song. We needed that. We have now a piano ballad. Hey Jude, and then we have a more we might could characterize it generally as a psychedelic, yes, mid mid to late sixties situation. And so now, where do we go for the well, last and, one? And I would also point out that we've got a Paul song, a John song, a George song, and a collaborative song. She loves you, yes. definitely a collaborative. Yes. So before we, it might I be. We've got to go with a Ringo song. I mean, I oh, think we've got to. We got to go with "Don't Pass Me By," right? Because <laughs> you know, darling, I love only you. Uh, I'd like I w- to I would be. Like, <laughs> I would like to go back though. And what songs have we? Or I guess I, if you, if we go with your assessment that I'm the one yellow lighting them. How many songs have we yellow lit? So, um, extra. Well, right now we're at um, a day in the life, at a hard day's night. And that's I think it. That's, I think I think that's it. Might I make a suggestion? Sure. I personally think, in my opinion, the song that needs to be the fifth song has already been mentioned. 
That being said, I think there are at least a few more that we need to bring up to talk about to also include on the playlist. Yes. So Ben started. What if we did one more go around and then we see where we're at? I I think the song's already on the list. I think the fifth song needs to be A Day in the Life. I really am going to, it's going to be hard to convince me otherwise. I think there could be some, maybe some more discussion before we get to our lightning round. Well, sure. There, there definitely needs to be some more discussion. So let's say we finish up one more turn. So that would be Jacob, uh, Josh, Jesh, father, and then myself. And, uh, and we'll see where we're at. What do we say? Yeah, that's fine. Let's go around the table one more time. So throw something out there, Jacob. It's really tough. You know, again, once you put it in those terms, what we're talking about here, you, you talk about a Ringo song Uh, here. You, I was going to mention yesterday, by the way, so that's out. Now, talk about a Ringo song. How about a song that he contributed a line to? I was going to say, what if we discuss from 1966, Eleanor Rigby? I like it's, Eleanor it's Rigby. A, it's another song that has its place in pop culture. Um, you know, it's, I believe it's the only Beatles track that features none of them on instruments. Is that correct, Josh? Yes. I uh, Yes. Well, no, um, uh, she's leaving home also, uh, would not feature any of them on instruments. Oh, that may be true. Mm. That, that, that actually may be true. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I mean, there's only two, I would imagine. I was about to say, uh, the inner light, but I believe it would be George that contributes on that. He does. He does play, play on that. And, you know, I didn't realize Ringo contributed a line to Eleanor Rigby. Darning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. I believe that's that's his contribution. That does ring a bell. That sounds like a Ringo input. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's not like a Ringo input. Uh, Let me just say, I'm not going to green light Eleanor Rigby, but it is an absolutely brilliant piece of work. Well, it's, it is it's, so it good. Features, it features the fifth Beatle, George Martin. It's it's really a it's really an incredible uh it's incredible work by him, the orchestration. Uh absolutely the, the four piece uh string ensemble. Actually you know, it's I eight would, of them, eight of them each playing a part and pour pour one out for revolver, man, because Paul in in this vein, Paul Paul gives you um Eleanor Rigby. And he gives you here, there, and everywhere. And he gives you for no one. And every single one of those is stupid brilliant. I appreciate you mentioning Revolver. Of course, a lot of people say Revolver is, you know, one of their best albums anyway, but it is my personal favorite Beatles album. So it's not my favorite, but I think it's their best. Yeah. I think think a lot of people people agree with that sentiment. It seems that more and more people have come up with that assessment because, well, I think it's, I also think it's their best, not necessarily my favorite either, yeah. but their best. Whereas there was rankings that put, say, Sgt. Pepper as the greatest album ever has been. Uh, but that is not the case anymore. Um, I guess I'm referring to Rolling Stones, but Rolling yeah. Stone magazine, but yeah, we, actually, do have, we do have to pay tribute to Revolver here for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned Sgt. Pepper <laughs> on, on the last car ride that, that my wife and I were on, we listened to Sergeant Pepper the whole way through, which is something I haven't done in a long time. And let me just say that is a bizarre twist and turning album <laughs> that yeah. is all over the place. Crazy good. 
And the stories but, of them of people playing that out the windows in 1967 and and the impact. I mean, there was nothing bigger when it came out than Sergeant Pepper was. That was right. the the thing. Well, you know, my favorite story of Sgt. Pepper in the album release was whenever Jimi Hendrix played oh, Sgt. Yeah. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, what, three or four days after the album came out? And was yeah. Paul not in the audience for that? Uh, yeah, Paul and uh, I yeah, want to say Clapton Ringo. was there. Yeah, Clapton was with him for sure. Yeah. And he comes out and opens with that. Um, uh, three three days after the album comes yeah. out. So that's so amazing. Awesome. But sorry, I didn't mean to to derail us off of Revolver, but I wanted to, I had that experience and wanted to share it. But uh, uh, Eleanor Rigby, I'm going to also yellow light. Um, I would suggest if you haven't, and Jacob, if you'll put this on the companion playlist, if you can listen to just the instrumental of Eleanor Rigby and just listen to the string arrangement. I think you should do both. I, I think believe it's, it's there on the anthology. I believe it is too. Um, so I would say pull, we need to have both of those. Yeah, on check the, it on from the, the revolver reissue from last year. Right. Okay. Or maybe that was this year. Um, yeah. Ben. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the string arrangement, some of our listeners might, might not know this, but um, George Martin and the, those staccato chords, uh, he took a lot of inspiration from um, a composer named Bernard Harmon. Uh, Bernard Herman, sorry. Yes. Um, and many might not know his name, but they certainly know his work. Those sharp, shrill, uh, shrill staccato chords that you might have heard uh, in the psycho shower scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bernard um, Herman, longtime uh, collaborator with uh, Alfred Hitchcock and very well known for psycho. And Martin was kind of drawing inspiration from that particular uh, particular film for for Eleanor Rigby. Well, you got to remember that during this time, um, John was busy suggesting things like um, tie a rope around my feet and let me swing from the ceiling. So <laughs> while I'm singing, <laughs> as I pass by the microphone, and so George Bart probably wanted to stab him. So there you go. <laughs> and if I've had this rant once, I've had it a thousand times. People don't give these artists from the '60s enough credit for the sounds they were able to generate in the studio. Yeah. It's not like it it is now, yeah. where you can find anything with three clicks and a keystroke. Yeah, I mean, you they had to come up in their minds <clears throat> to get the sounds in their head into a microphone and record it. And they did. And they yeah. were, they came up with all kinds of roundabout ingenious ways to take the sound in their head and put it on the record. And that's one of the things that sets artists from this time frame while they were revolutionizing music and genres of music, revolutionizing how they recorded songs, how they got sounds out there. So I just want to throw that out there for for everyone to remember while we're having this conversation. Absolutely. And, and actually, while I've got, I've got three songs I, I want to mention for consideration. Um, I, I want to actually go to, to just build on that. And the song that I'm referencing when I said that John asked to be tied up from the ceiling and then swing him around the room, um, around a microphone, which of course they refused to do. Um, because he wanted to sound like the Dalai Lama singing on a mountaintop. Um, I, th- I think um, I need to throw Tomorrow Never Knows out there because it, 
the the revolutionary nature. I mean, if there is one song that moves them from early Beatles to late Beatles that fully encapsulates the experimental nature of the band in the context of what Joel is talking about, it's Tomorrow Never Knows. There's the tape loops. There is the ridiculous drums that Ringo plays on that track. Um, there's the the words from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I mean, you get down to the end of of Revolver and that song comes on. And I, I recently listened to it again and I'm just I'm just blown away by it. And and it was actually Jeff Emmerich who the the engineer who came up with the solution to John's problem uh by eventually putting the vocals through a Leslie cabinet. Um for for listeners who may not know, a Leslie cabinet was a mechanical uh, speaker that had a head that spun around and around and around really fast, and you could control how fast it spun, and it was generally used with an organ to give it that sort of wah-wah sound that you hear, where it would be, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I, that was poor, but you get it. How would it sound? <laughs> okay, that didn't come through all the way on my on my headphones here, so I needed that again. <laughs> but, I mean, but really, it's fairly accurate. Yeah, fairly accurate. <laughs> you get the idea, because that the head is spinning, and so, you know, it's like a, a fast Doppler effect or something, but um, he actually put the voice through that, and the funny thing is, that was Jeff Emmerich, who was something like 18 at the time. That was the first session he ever worked on. The first thing he does in what became a storied career was to walk into the studio with the Beatles and have John Lennon ask him to suspend him from the ceiling. <laughs> it was the first song attempted during that session, wasn't it? Yes, yes. That was the first one that they did. And so they're coming off of Rubber Soul, and John brings in Tomorrow Never Knows. And and uh, whether it gets greenlit or not, it's so important. And uh, I just I can't help but think back to when in Mad Men, when uh, Don marries, um, uh, what's her name? One of those women that Don was involved with. <laughs> no, and- he married her. What was her name? The French girl. Megan. Megan. Yes, thank you. Zuby Zuby Zoo. Zuby Zuby Zoo. And and, and the the way that they show the generation gap that's never going to be to be bridged is she gives him revolver and says, "Play the last song." And he puts it on and he gets about halfway through it. And they paid like 200 grand. They used like the entire music budget huge for the season so that they could get halfway through that song and Don Draper could knock the needle off the record halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great song, great I'll, I'll show. throw Tomorrow Never Knows out there. I think I'm probably echoing a lot of what Joel said a few minutes ago, but it really, it really is true. Uh, beyond the the songs that we all love and the the songs that have been loved by tens of millions over generations, just the amount of work that the Beatles and George Martin and everybody involved did to advance the science, you know, the act of recording music, uh, the things they did, they were breaking rules at the time and getting in trouble with the record label for, um, for instance, putting the microphones too close to drums and and um, plugging guitars directly into the control board. Exactly. Yes. They wanted to get a hold of the newest stuff. They were always pushing the envelope um, and much of what is done today um, began right there in the 60s as far as recording practices. And uh, that can't be understated. The, uh, the complexity of that recording, it makes you think 
that uh, they never really thought they were going to be playing that live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were no, pretty that sure. Was never on the that was never they on were, the agenda. They were already that may not go down well of, at the Budokan or uh, well, Hollywood Bowl. I think they were already on the turn of knowing they weren't going to be playing live. <laughs> right, and that's what made Rubber Soul. I mean, not Rubber Soul. Sorry, Sergeant Pepper possible and the things that followed. Yeah, all that right. sonic yeah. experimentation kind of very started little live with playing together and, at that point. Right, all of them recording tracks separately, layering things on top of one another. Um, that was when they really got into of, that. Of freedom, I guess, because artists have to record knowing they're going to have to recreate these sounds in an arena yeah. or in a you know in a hall. And um, once you've once you can record whatever you want, however you want it, and you don't have that um, responsibility ahead of you, it does kind of open things up a bit. And again, this was not where you could just have a backing track as a file that you could play through the speakers while right. you played live like so many people do now. I mean, there's people that tour with no band and just sing along the backing tracks, you know, people like in the hip hop type genre and things like that. But uh, I, I do want to mention, you mentioned Jeff, Jeff Emmerich, the engineer who worked on this song. He's got a book that's pretty good. It's called here, there and everywhere. My life recording the music of the Beatles. Uh, and I would recommend you read it if if you can get your hands on it, because it's a good book. I don't know how much of it's actually true or yeah. how much of it has been has yeah. been played up, but it's an interesting read nonetheless. So I, I'm i something, for those that uh, haven't listened to, to Seth's before, I'm our other podcast, I'm, I'm something of a Beatles book collector, and I would consider Jeff Emmerich's book a, a top 10 Beatles book to read. Um, it's His bias comes through. Uh, he very clearly values Paul above everybody else. And the level of detail that he claims to uh, remember in specific conversations and such is almost comical. And most Beatles historians say, take the whole thing with a grain of salt. Um, but they also <laughs> say, go ahead and read it because the stories are great. Read um, it. It's great stories. Yeah. And, and, and they are. And when, again, when you start off your career by walking into a studio with John Lennon, who says, we're going to record this song called tomorrow never knows. I mean, come on, that's day one of work. Can you imagine <laughs> at, at such a young age also? Yeah. I mean, incredible. I, I didn't vote yet. I'm going to go ahead and yellow here. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. The reason I am is I think it kind of opened the door to things that could happen on Sgt. Pepper, which culminated in the completion of the song that I will continue to, <laughs> to advocate for. Uh, and I think that A Day in the Life wouldn't happen without Tomorrow Never Knows. So glad that it was mentioned, but I am going to yellow light it. Well, I'll just I'll go ahead and just say that one of the other ones that I wanted to consider that would do much the same thing, um, and I know is never going to get, but I want it on the playlist. It, it was never going to get serious consideration, but a very undervalued song that demonstrates the greatness of the band all around is um, the B-side to their 66 single Paperback Writer, and that is the song Rain. Yes, that, sure. that is a great one. I didn't consider mm -hmm. that, but you have It's one of the best songs they ever did. You have excellent drumming. Uh, that's memorable uh, for Ringo's drumming. It's also memorable for Paul's bass playing as well. Well, and Paperback Rider, the, it's also a great yeah, song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not worthy. I mean, Rain's great, but we can't just 
Glide Right Over Paperback Writer. That's a great song, too. Well, Paperback Writer is one of my five favorite Beatles songs. Um, but I, I think trying to be objective, I think Rain is a better song. But, you know, hey, whatever. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it. I think it should be on the playlist. But yeah, these are the songs where they use their Gibson SGs and then they put them away forever for some reason. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> George had a beautiful cherry red SG with a Maestro Vibrola on it, I believe. Did he have a Vibrola on it? I think I'm he did. I'm not sure if it had a Vibrola or not. I'm I'm like 99% sure that it had a Vibrola on it. I'm I'm fairly certain that that guitar ended up in the hands of Pete Ham with Badfinger. I think George gave it to yes, him. Yes, I, I believe that mm. that is true. And I'm looking it up, and it did have a Maestro Vibrola on it. There you go. Which was a very new thing for that time. I, I think that was one of the first years that the SG had that particular style of uh, whammy, tremolo, vibrato. I think, I think that came from, from 1962 when they finally renamed it the SG. It was the Les Paul, of course, at the beginning, but very new. And it makes sense that that George would maybe get hold of one because, you know, they were being sent guitars all the time. He may not yeah. have been given the guitar, but they were always out looking and, and getting new stuff. I just think it's so interesting, the stuff that they did with Revolver and the companion single, um, Paperback Rider and Rain in 66, and... And how brilliant it is, you know, the, the, we're going to be, uh, Boston before Boston and do Andrew Bird can sing with the dueling guitar riffs, you know, and all the other stuff that's on there that we've talked about already and the plenty of things that we haven't. And then they just say, okay, we did that. Now we're going to go do this over here. I mean, we're going to go do this over here, but, uh, we're going to put the raw meat and decapitated babies aside. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. Well, there 1966 you know. was also Eleanor Rigby. So that's the, it's really a, a huge, just wide range of stuff they were doing. It, we're talking about a calendar year here for it's goodness sake. Yeah. This is unheard of now. Like you said, they have a entire discography that spans when some bands release two albums. So there's, I mean, there's no words to describe the output and the quality in such such a condensed time. They were incredible. All right, yeah. trivia. Uh, ben, you referenced the famed butcher cover, the picture of the Beatles in their butcher smocks with the baby parts and the bloody meat and everything. Does anybody know the name of that photo session? Photo, the photographer was Robert Whitaker. And the the concept art had a title. Does anybody know the name? This oh, is I don't in know. My Bigger than somewhere. Jesus. <laughs> this is in my head somewhere, but I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I don't either. <laughs> it's in there, though. I... <laughs> the answer is a somnambulant adventure. <laughs> okay, never mind. That probably wasn't in my <laughs> yeah, head Yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> I, I thought for sure that what I heard was going to ring a bell, but but that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't the band say that that was that uh, picture was a, a statement against uh, the Vietnam War? Do I remember um, that right? I I don't I don't know that. I know they were that they were looking at surrealism. I know what it was not was it was not a commentary on the way Capitol was butchering their albums, which Capitol was doing. But that is that was not That's a different story. Yeah, that was not the reason for it. 
Um, I would suspect that maybe that's something more along the lines of what, what Ben said, but in, incidentally, uh, the word somnambulant is a means uh, resembling or characteristic of a sleepwalker sluggish. So it's a dreamlike state, you know, um, very, very surreal, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I'm well off topic. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's okay. You were talking about Revolver and all the cool stuff. And I love getting to nerd out on guitars. And we talked about the SG and the paperback writer video and all that other good stuff. And we didn't even mention on the backwards guitar in I'm Only Sleeping, oh. which is also a, a phenomenal guitar a moment in 1966. So we're just all over the place, but I love it. And we're again, I emphasize we're talking about 365 days here. It's crazy. It, it wild. I think, I think ultimately we're just delaying the inevitable here. You know, there Maybe are so, so many great, there are so many great Beatles songs. And uh, that's why this episode is in two pieces because we simply uh, are, would have trouble narrowing down five from all these great ones we've discussed. Uh, the playlist is probably well over 10 tracks by now uh, well, of, you know. Let, let, let me put one more on there because. Yeah, you need to you need to throw one out and so does Ben. Because this will, this will, yeah, we got two more. This I don't think is going to make the cut. But if you're listening to the Beatles, if you were listening to the companion playlist, this needs to be on there. I think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. That's in my life. Yeah, I think that, it needs to that be was, mentioned. That it's was another phenomenal. one that I was going to mention. Yeah, I don't think we even need to vote on in my life, but that's going to be my offering for for the, my last throw. A, a beautiful song. It's um, I don't it's know what sort else to a, say about it. In a way, it's a counterpoint to Penny Lane. It's um, a precursor to it. Yeah, you know, both of them. With Penny Lane, you have Paul writing mainly, and John is mainly writing in my life, and it's both of them are coming from a from an autobiographical, um, from an you know going in an autobiographical direction. They're about it's about their childhood, really, and for, uh, to some degree, and it really shows. It's another example of the two of them how they write a song about maybe the same idea, but how they how differently they approach it. And it's another uh, showcase for George Martin. Yeah. Yes. John said, give me something Baroque sounding. And <laughs> and George Martin played a tape at half speed, played a piano, then sped it up, doubled it. And it was an octave higher and it was much faster. And that's how you get that almost harpsichordy piano solo in, in my life. And I mean, they're, all of their songs have stories like this. Yeah. And that just mm-hmm. speaks to how you know, the band that they were. It should be mentioned that, uh, in my life is one of only two or three songs that John and Paul remembered completely differently. Uh, John said it was unquestionably 100% his song, all the lyrics, all the music, but Paul, um, and John said that in the playboy interview shortly before his death, that's where you get his take. You want to know, what he remembers about the Beatles songs. That's where you go. The playboy interviews from 1980, um, where you go for Paul is the many years from now book with Barry miles from the nineties. Um, and he seems to think that a significant portion of the melody came from him. So it's, it's interesting that very rarely did they disagree in their memories, but that's one that they did. Hmm. 
Well, it's it's great and it's beautiful. And if you haven't listened to it in a while, just listen to it. Worth a mention. Yeah, really. And this is to further to what you were saying, Josh. I I find this interesting piece here Uh, in a 2018 study. Artificial intelligence researchers at Harvard applied bag of words modeling to the notes and chords of the song and concluded there was an 18.9% probability of McCartney having written the verse. That's hilarious. Lennon wow. Was given, Lennon was given an 81.1% certainty of writing the verses, while, part, while McCartney was given a 43.6% certainty of writing the middle eight. The, anal- the analysts reported a, quote, large amount of uncertainty regarding the middle eight. That, I, I had <laughs> we'll never read know. that before, and I'm going to have to find the link that, gets, what, that what, goes further into that. Wait a that. minute. Wait a minute. In My Life doesn't have a bridge. I mean, I think they're probably referring to the instrumental, would you say? George middle Martin eight. wrote that. Now, middle eight was a the phrase they used for the bridge. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go deeper. Uh, this is That's just from Wikipedia. Though. I mean, I, I've got the. Uh, I got the. Um, the link here from the Harvard Science Review. I might have to go and. <laughs> I might have to go and see if I can read more into that. Yeah, if you could have us a five-page research paper yes. by the next release, that would yes. be yes. that's a good oh, idea. No. Fifteen hundred words, please. No, no. We'll review that in our third episode. Link in yeah. bio. <laughs> <laughs> Link in bio. <laughs> yeah, please submit it on Turnitin so we can uh, ensure that you actually wrote it. That's please. exactly right. Oh no, right. I couldn't. <laughs> ben, throw one out there. Yeah. Okay, it's it's another song. I'm just going to throw it out there because I want to discuss it. I I can't I can't say that this is a a, a five essential track, but um, it's it was released as a B side. It's definitely a John song, and it may be my favorite Beatles song. And Ooh. that's uh, Don't Let Me Down. Okay, yeah. And uh, on my list, and I green light that right now. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ben, what I did think, you say? Uh, don't Let Me Down. And I think oh. and I think my favorite part of it, you know, we've got our piano ballad, but we don't have our, our we don't have Billy Preston on any of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can have Eric Clapton on too, and we can say, well, my guitar gently weeps. So red light. We can get. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you red light that? Uh, topic for Never another, uh, another day. Yeah. I'll yeah, topic for another day. Don't let me down. Great song. It is a great and, song. Great album. And the to, to see the rooftop concert, you know, and it's. Virtually oh, in its full, if it's incredible. not in the mm, in the yeah. game back documentary. And incredible. Here, we've talked about how they were in the studio and how great they were, but to hear how they were able to sound together in the freezing cold on a roof, no acoustic treatment, none of that, just playing together, and how crisp and amazing they sounded. And John uh, vocals were, the the lyrics are raw, and he's he's just belting it. It's yeah. just classic John, so good. And, and gave me one of my favorite moments from that documentary, which is the bloody which is of course when John forgets the lyrics on one of the takes from the rooftop uh, and and sings gibberish. And guess what, man? They're all right there in it. <laughs> I, and they just keep on rolling and they ha- they have a laugh it's a great moment but that that is an absolute highlight for me as a beatles fan to see the rooftop concert in that context yeah in the uh the last part of the documentary 
Um, I don't know about you, Ben, or Joel, or jo- but Josh said he saw the original Let It Be movie. You used to be able to rent it, apparently. No. Back in the day, but I never saw it. Only pieces of it on YouTube. And so to see the rooftop concert in all its glory was just mind-blowing. An absolute highlight. Yeah. If you have Disney+, Plus, you must go and, and watch that documentary in full. Carve out. How long is the whole thing? It's like six and a half hours, isn't it? Uh, maybe there's, eight. Maybe there's eight. stuff in there. If you're a casual there, fan, you know, you have to watch the concert. Just, it's brilliant. You know, yes, I, I was I, about to say. Even I know if you're people a who are fan, just very casual fans who watched it and were just mesmerized by watching them work. You know, they didn't even know the songs, maybe, but they were still yeah. mesmerized. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Well, to be a fly yeah. on the wall to see all that, I would encourage you, if you can get through it, to watch the whole thing because the rooftop concert is such a like a natural climactic moment it's a in great that documentary. Payoff. It's a great it, payoff. It, it, to, just, to, yeah. And to think that, that that's only up, oh. to to think that that's only a fraction of the of the footage that they have. I, I hope that oh, they. I hope fraction. we get more. I hope we get oh, more. Oh, I'm sure we will. There's there's money to be made. We'll we'll get more. But yes, I, I that's probably so. But man, twenty thirty eight Thanksgiving. I hear there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that payoff was phenomenal, though to to see all of that, and then it ends with all of them together like that. To hear them all playing live again, Billy Preston, the way he comes in and how he kind of got thrown in to the mix, and I mean, what what it's other just band? Too much. What other band? Few other bands would anybody care about this level of detail, as far as. Every every minute thing they were doing, messing around, doing nothing, you know. There's a, a clip of of the Les Paul that George got from Clapton sliding off the amp and hitting the ground. That was a mind blowing moment for me, just to see these guys being <laughs> regular musicians and dropping guitars and having conversations and picking melodies out on the piano. The whole thing's incredible. Talking about what they're going to eat, you know. I mean, and Paul, Paul yeah, McCartney dinner plans. Paul McCartney mm. picking up his bass and literally strumming out "Get Back" right there. We're watching a song being strummed out by Paul McCartney on bass of yeah, all maybe, things. Maybe my favorite thing was watching them develop "Get Back." And and seeing it being created, knowing what the yeah. final product is, yeah. And you get some some of Abbey Road songs. You get sure. to hear some of you too. Hear the beginnings also because, of that, of course. Abbey Road was recorded what just a couple of months after the yeah. They started the working on it very quickly thereafter, right? So I well again you watch the documentary uh, again. I would green light. Don't let me down. <laughs> That's how much I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. I, Are you, you know, going to green light? I, I feel, Am I going to have to be the one to yellow it? I feel kind of bad uh, that that we didn't get to talk about any songs seriously from Let It Be because you know I feel, I guess it would be kind of a letdown if we choose you know get back or, or don't let me any song from Let It Be as much as I love that album I would feel bad choosing one of them over um, the uh, the big song that uh, we seem to be coming back around to which is a Day in the Life. Well, I'm coming back around to it. I'm chanting I know you are. <laughs> on banners. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Are you taking out advertisements? I'm taking out advertisements. I'm. Are you going to hire a plane to ride up. into the sky over Longview? Uh, actually, I'm. I'm getting a blimp, but you're not. You're not far off. Okay. Well, let's think Have about. You read let's the news sl- today, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> about a lucky man who made the grade. Let's yeah. let's review. Let's let's yeah, let's, let's go back and talk about what we have greenlit 
and what the significance is of them to our list as we as we get ready to to close out this episode. So we have She Loves You, an early collaboration, John and Paul together, uh, shortlisted for one of the greatest singles ever. We have from 66 and 67, a 67 release, Strawberry Fields Forever, a John song, uh, psychedelic, studio, uh, checks all those boxes. We've got 1968 from Paul, a piano ballad, Hey Jude. And from 69, we've got the most streamed Spotify song, Here Comes the Sun. I think we've done a really good job so far, a John, a Paula George, and a true collaboration. Um, Joel's been pushing hard for a day in the life. We know it's got his vote. Um, ben? Well, I think I put it forward first, so I, I got to oh, okay. say green. <laughs> and uh, I got to say... I think it has to be on a list of the five Beatle essential tracks. Has to be. Uh, Obviously, I agree with uh, that. Jacob? Well, it sounds like I was the only holdout. And, you know, I wanted to pump the brakes to hear what else was put forward. But it really does make sense to include it because it is another collaboration that uh, everybody adds something great. Uh, We've talked about the way it was recorded uh, there's lots of good anecdotes about that. You have the the fact that John and Paul both contribute uh, to parts of the song. There's there's really so much here. There's great drumming by Ringo as well. So, well, it's, and not it's, to mention it's considered their best song. Sure, and I, I mean I agree that it is. So. Yes, I, I do believe I'm happy to now give it the green light to complete well, our list. It's, it's the grand finale to one of, if not the greatest album that's ever been made. So it needs to be on the list. And with that on, you know, on the list, I think that I think we've done a really good job with this. I haven't voted if yet. If I do say so myself. Oh, well, uh, didn't, you vote, means... didn't you green light it initially? Well, I'm going to red light it now. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, you, well, that's that's John Lennon. That's a solo song. That's right. We can't you, talk you, about yeah, that. No, that sorry, count. you're right. Yeah. Um, you're right. You know, George doesn't do anything on a day in the life, really. No. <laughs> uh, that was. I, I realized that as I started to give my explanation of of what everybody was doing here, but um, it's almost a threedles. Well. But then again, so was Here Comes the Sun. Of course, the day in the life goes. Green light. We're done. George. Yay! Well, you know, George has his own. We gave George his own, his very own song on this on this list. Fair you enough. Know, so, well, you George, know what I mean? was, George was the guitar player. And just because, you know, a song doesn't prominently feature the guitar doesn't mean it should be excluded. So, <laughs> like you said, he spent most of the Sgt. Pepper sessions playing chess. Waiting to be called well, on to play. Well, we've got She Loves You, Here Comes the Sun, Strawberry I mean, Fields Forever, Hey Jude, and A Day in the Life. That's a good I, list. I think, I think we did right. I think it's yeah. the right list. Yeah. I think we got it. Excellent, boys. So one of the things that we talked about doing is having a lightning round where we would throw out an artist. However, due to the length of this particular episode, we're going to save that for for next yes. time. That. That's going to be our Beatles list. Please let us know. Um, do you disagree? Do you agree? What would you like to see added to the Beatles' five essential tracks? Take a listen to the playlist 
and uh, give us a like, I, give us a rating. I, I would like to say a couple of things. First, I'd like to stake my claim that when we do get around to doing a lightning round, I do have an artist picked out. So let me, That's good. Let so me do handle I. that when the time <laughs> comes. I guess we should all have one ready. But um, I do want to go ahead and say that uh, if you haven't already found us on Facebook, we're there, Five Essential Tracks Podcast. We probably will have a website coming up at some point. Yep. Uh, we do We do also have an Instagram, also Five Essential Tracks. And so go check us out there. And, and please do, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, which it seems that the vast majority of our audience here and on our other podcast, um, over 60%, Listen on Apple. Please go and give our podcast a rating and leave a review. It's it's very important. Um, if you want to do that, then it will allow us to be more visible. Um, you know, just go ongoing. It would even help us get in the charts under music commentary, um, potentially. So um, definitely do that. And give us a rating on Spotify, too. Well, thanks, thanks everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. That's... Those are our five essential tracks for the Beatles. Join us next time. Now it's time to say good night. It is time to say good night. <laughs> good night. Sleep tight. <laughs> good night, everybody. Everybody, everyone. Good night. Join us next time when we're going to talk about Tom Petty. I'm Josh. I'm Jacob. I'm Canadian I'm- Ben. And I'm Joel. And that was five essential tracks for the Beatles. Mr. Moonlight sucks. Mr. Moonlight does suck. <laughs> I mean, Mr. that's the only good part. Moonlight. That's the only good part. In fact, it should just be that. It should just be John singing Mr. Moonlight, and then it goes on to the <laughs> next goes, song. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm going to Kansas City. We should well, release the, uh, the George Lucas cut of Beals for Sale. <laughs> <laughs> This <laughs> happened once before. Misa oh, came to me. your door. There's a no reply. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> Misa, thank God. <laughs> oh, so dear. What's a Misa going to do? Baby's in the black. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Gotta be rock and roll music. Excuse me. <laughs> God. <laughs> you should, should follow the sun now. <laughs> Every little thing you she's, a doing, she's a doing for me. <laughs> well, they took some honey from Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, you've missed it. Uh, this is as good as um as cracked rear window. <laughs> yeah, cracked rear window. <laughs> we need to have cracked rear window and then Jar 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 sings Beatles, Beatles Jar Jar, for sale. Jar Jar for sale. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Binks are and, for uh, sale. <laughs> well, they took some honey from a tree, dressed it up, and they called it Mimi. Miso. Misa. <laughs> No wanting to spoil the party, so I should go. What? Um, <laughs> what is wrong with you people? That's the correct question. No. Oh, Maxie Big to Kansas City. <laughs> okay, I really want to get this one done because I'm afraid that torque. this is going to happen again. You're really speaking to the, to the choir. We've been here. Yeah, I've done a really great yes. twice already. Yeah. <laughs> All right, take three. <laughs> no. So we just need to, Ben, if you can remember exactly what you were saying. Was I speaking? You are. Just throw it to me and I'll do the recap again. We we do. If you power surge one more time, though, we will have the entirety of Beatles for Sale recorded as Gungans <laughs> for Sale. So there's some, there's some, <laughs> some potential there. We almost have the whole album recorded. It took me like one over across the tracks. <laughs> so feeling blue and lonely. Man, they was going like a hurricane. <laughs> Words of love. You so speaking soft and true, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like this. <laughs> <laughs>